0: Welcome to the Get World Savvy podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Shu. On Get World Savvy, we have fascinating conversations with some of the top leaders and disruptors in tech and tech-enabled businesses across industries and across geographies. You'll hear from experts in the fast-growing markets in the world, as well as more established startup nations on their predictions on industry trends, growth opportunities, and how to best position yourself to ride the wave up. In between, I'll be here doing some solo shows as well to help fill in some knowledge gaps. Join the community of listeners, a global network of ambitious, impact-hungry professionals in tech at Get World Savvy Network on Facebook. You are listening to episode 13. Today, we are here with Fabian Byrne. Fabian is the founder of Uplab, a Douyin and TikTok marketing agency helping brands and creators on the platform since 2016 with influencer marketing and content creation services. Uplab has built a community of over 700 marketers and over 500 influencers across Asia and Europe. This podcast episode was recorded in early March before the social distancing hit North America. At that point, none of my young millennial friends in their mid-late 20s were on TikTok. Every time I opened the app myself, I rarely got the humor in the short videos I was seeing. I was like, I don't understand this. (laughs) Fast forward just three weeks later, now on March 30th, as I'm recording this intro, I personally have created a group on Instagram called hashtag TikTok couples challenge, where I invited a lot of my coupled up friends where we do crazy challenges posted on TikTok. For example, Owen and I, my fiance and I, are currently working on the seesaw challenge. You can search it up on TikTok to see what it is. We have also done this climb your partner challenge where you hop on from the back, shift to the front, go over the shoulder, then in between the legs and back to the top. It's like climbing a tree. It kind of reminds me of ice dancing. But I would say a really good number of millennials are now on TikTok posting their own humor of what it's like to be stuck at home or interacting with people that they never have before while being stuck at home in, for such a long period of time. So Fabi and I mentioned this on the chat as um, a platform that used to be just dances and memes, TikTok will eventually spread to a greater variety of content, bringing in a greater variety of audiences, meaning older audiences. So I think COVID-19 was that turning point and now everyone I know is on TikTok already. So it's time to start paying attention. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me, Fabian.
1: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: So we've actually never met in person before. So just to get started, can you tell me about your story? I saw that you are from Poznan, from Poland. I actually visited before where I studied abroad in Warsaw. So I was like, oh, that's a cool connection. Tell us about how you went from college, being a college dropout to starting a TikTok agency.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually originally from the Netherlands. Oh, um, So really? that's kind of already where it's getting interesting, I guess. Um, like I moved out when I was 18 years old. I really wanted to move out from my parents' place. So I, I moved out to the north of the Netherlands and then I lived there for about one and a half year. Um, and then uh, I had a company already in, in sport clothing uh, and I took my production to Poland. So I kind of expanded it to Poland oh. and I was really in love with with Poland uh, and with specifically Poznan. So I actually lived for two years in Poznan okay. um, and did that company there. And then after a while, didn't, things didn't go so well. And I was like, okay, um, yeah, let me go just to a next step. Um, so actually I was studying for a little bit besides my company in, in Poznan and yeah, things were not really working out for me and I didn't enjoy, uh, I didn't enjoy it. So I basically booked a single ticket to Asia, uh, to Bangkok and kind of started doing there my own thing from some of the experiences I already had um, and started kind of freelancing for tech companies, for tech startups in, in Bangkok. And then slowly um, KL, so Kuala Lumpur, in Malaysia came to that. And then a couple months later, I got a job offer in Singapore. So I moved to Singapore and started working there in real estate. Did that for about a year, um, where I basically got to learn everything, I would say, what I kind of know now. I had my background in marketing, but I learned a lot there, definitely from Asia-Pacific region, because that's where I was active, where I did product marketing. Uh, So basically launched digital products for a traditional company in two different markets, um, including China. So I got interested in China, um, started working for a VC for a while, where I managed an accelerator program in deep tech. Um, so I was a strong connection already with China as well, and uh, also with Japan. And then after a couple months, I was like, okay, let's just move to China. Um, I'm seeing a lot of different things. Um, so just move to China and see what the opportunities are. And that's where I started an agency, um, because my experience in, in marketing, um, just starting to help companies inside, uh, for the Chinese market. And then I got, yeah, to meet my current girlfriend who was one of the first creators on TikTok. Uh, So the Chinese version of TikTok, Douyin. Um, So she belongs to the first batch of creators there. Um, And the app was very small at that time. So I think just a couple million users. And I was like, okay, this app works great. And there are so many opportunities and potentials. Um, So she has been doing that really since the beginning, mid 2016, uh, when she got involved. So really before the, yeah, basically before it even was called Douyin. Um, And I have been involved a little bit later than that. And then saw all the opportunities and was like, okay, we need to do something with this. So we got very early involved already in all the Douyin stuff, so the Chinese version of TikTok, and kind of have been doing that until today. Um, And now the app has exploded in China um, pretty quick after that. And now globally, (laughs) there's like more than one and a half billion users. So we've been really from the early days and know kind of how it it was before that um, until what it is today. So I would say we have quite some experience and different perspectives on yeah, how Douyin does things, how creators do things, how businesses do things in different markets as well.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely touch on a lot of that. Um, well, first of all, your girlfriend must be like a Wang Hong, right? Like one of those <laughs> really hot people in China if she got started so early. That's really cool. But before we move on generally into the TikTok region, so you had all this marketing background. You managed to find freelancing jobs in Bangkok. And then went to real estate and moved to China. What was the timeline across this? Because I think you're pretty young, right? In Poznan, it wasn't that long ago from your LinkedIn. Your LinkedIn discloses your age. So could you walk <laughs> us through like, how long you actually spent in this phase? And how did you manage to gain so much experience in such a short time? That you were able yes. to go out and do all these different things. And find yes, you yourself companies that are willing to hire you with little like, formal experience, right?
1: Yeah, so I kind of always kind of did a different route. So in the Netherlands, it's, it's actually going a bit more back in the Netherlands already. Uh, in the Netherlands, it was it's common actually to do like work at a grocery store as a side job besides your high school. And I was like, I don't want that. So I started actually a small e-commerce company where I imported smartphone cables to the Netherlands and then sold them for like 10 times more. Um, so that's yeah. kind of how I started, and I kind of learned everything around it, like logistics, operations.
0: I did the um, same SEO. thing in Canada with phone iPhone cases, like the 3G, like 4G iPhone cases. Yeah, I so I did
1: basically the same. So I was like 15, <laughs> 16, something around that. And that actually started working very well. And I got like top ranking on SEO in the Netherlands for like iPhone cables and stuff. So then I got more and more orders and I was like, I don't know what to do. So I just plugged out the website and I (laughs) didn't do anything with it anymore. Um, After that, I started a media company where um, in my sports, so I used to play a very Dutch sport and there was no community um, or news website around it. So I started a news website. Uh, covering things about that sport and that grew into the biggest community in that sports and working with all the biggest clubs in the world um in that specific what, what sport. year
0: was that around
1: um that was when i was 17
0: so, when sorry, i started like what, that 2000 and
1: oh, 2011 i think something like 2011? that okay. yeah okay. something like that yeah so i did that for about one and a half year and then after that i started that sport clothing business so i did that also for yeah, for some time built up the whole community, e-commerce stores and stuff like that around it. And then I got into the sport clothing because I was already in that community uh, and that industry. Um, so for me, it was really easy to start with that. So I started to sell my own sport clothing, customized for for people. That um, makes sense. And You've that, already
0: done like the e-commerce side and then you went to the sports side and then you combined those. And then you correct. moved to Asia in what year around? Into Bangkok?
1: Bangkok was 2015 something like that.
0: Okay. So Southeast Asia was only a year before you started your TikTok agency or like you got into TikTok at least in China. Um, Yeah, correct. Sorry, it wasn't TikTok at that time. Okay.
1: Yeah, correct. So it actually, that was a very short period of time. Like I was traveling a lot throughout Southeast Asia or Asia in general. Um, So I was doing that for some time. So I came in Bangkok and just started reaching out. And usually what I do, because I don't know anyone and I'm pretty introverted. So I, I kind of unnatural, I try to, <laughs> no, <kind> of <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but naturally I am like, I really had to train myself. So I, I put myself for public speaking things. And what I usually do when I go really? to a new place where I've never been is I organize an event uh, because I don't like when I go to an event to talk with people. So I organize it so people come to me to talk with me. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of my, my strategy, how I've been doing that in, in Poland already. And now in Bangkok, I did it as well. And then I got very quick in touch. Um, So I just started with something I knew um, as an event, like, okay, I know something about Europe, I know something about marketing. So it's like, okay, how to expand your Asian business to Europe. This kind of was my topic of the event. And then there were some companies interested in that. So that's kind of how it slowly went. And then I started trying to put myself out there and get in touch with the startup communities and and these kind of things, like just on Facebook groups, searching, um, or people I knew in the area, like, hey, do you know someone to meet? So I kind of did that, but I was like kind of broke, (laughs) you know, things like I didn't have any money or something like that. Um, So I was really running on like I think like 50 euros, 100 euros or something like that until I got my job in Singapore. So I was Mm -hmm. really at a point when I was in KL and I got a job in Singapore, like I cannot take my job because I don't have money to fly to Singapore and rent my first apartment there or my room or something like that. So I was really in that kind of situation. Um, And then, yeah, two weeks before I got like a, a kind of gig for public speaking where I got quite well paid for so I could directly pay for everything in Singapore. So it really yeah, kind of went yeah, kind of messed up um, <laughs> in a lot you know, of like things. You
0: definitely and, really believed in yourself, right? Like you were still so young and you knew that there were so many opportunities out there for you. Like you've already started two companies. So
1: that's yeah I see a lot of opportunities very quick this is also I think it's a very strong thing the underside is also sometimes tough because you see so many opportunities that it's tough to focus right that's why I've been in in different industries a lot like I've been in real estate for VC in sports so like fashion in media and I have been marketing agencies, so like all different kinds of things but because I'm still young I always think like I, I should learn as much as possible from the different industries and how people think and then kind of Now I can see kind of over the overview as a kind of helicopter view on certain industries like, ah, this is how it works, or I can take something from the real estate industry and apply that somewhere else, uh, which also very often works.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think we're such kindred spirits in that form. I traveled all last year and that was when I was in Asia where we actually got connected. I traveled to all these different regions because I just couldn't focus on one place. And every single region, I'm like, wow, I can do this. And then I went to Nairobi and I'm like, I can do that. And then I went to Egypt and Israel. I'm like, wow, the world is so big. Let's start talking about TikTok. So you've been in this Douyin TikTok space for a while since 2016, since pretty much it originated. How has the platform evolved over the last four years now? Um,
1: quite, quite a bit, but really in a way, I think what I usually do is I separate TikTok from Douyin. So it's actually, it's two different companies and it's run in right. two different ways. Why so don't we of... talk
0: about the difference first? Because actually I just want to remind yeah. you that my audience here, mostly based in North America, a few in asia a few in singapore because of people that i met i'm still growing this audience but i assume that most people are not tiktok and Douyin users <laughs> we're kind of like looking at it we're <laughs> around in our late 20s to early 30s looking at it like wow we're so old now <laughs> because we don't understand it <laughs> so that's who we're talking to and many haven't been to asia so let's talk about the difference between Douyin and tiktok first
1: yeah, so I think the the apps on, on the first view, it looks pretty similar. So I think that's somehow similar, but kind of in the back end and how people use the app is different. And I think that's the biggest difference between China and the rest of the world. Um, China, everything around social media is commerce driven as well. Mm-hmm. So the content you see on Douyin is totally different than what you see on TikTok. Um, and I think what Douyin was in the early days is kind of what TikTok is right now. The very meme-ish, hypey content, which doesn't say much, but it's kind of addictive to watch. That's what, we're really, what Douyin was in like 2016, early 2017. And then the app developed pretty quick in, um, in China, in kind of a serious app every age is using, where you have different types of creators, um, which I think Douyin is very innovative in the Chinese market in that, where you have like these KOLs, how you call them, like the, the top creators who are able to change the opinion of a person as well, of their audience but you also have like the influencers who just have an influence about a particular category. And then you have like the KOCs, the key opinion consumers who sometimes don't have huge following, but they're very good at converting people in a certain category. So just, yeah, KOC could be someone who just does lipstick um, tutorials or something like that and has 20,000 followers, but it's just very good at selling. And that's what you see a lot on Douyin. It's very much more commerce driven in a way. And the content is different than what you see right now on TikTok. So what you see on TikTok, and I think TikTok, you cannot just say TikTok in general because TikTok in Korea or in Indonesia is different than TikTok you see in the US. Also, the content is total, totally different. So the app works the same, but the content are different. And I think that's what TikTok or By dance in general, the, the mother company, did very well is they, they, lo- they had a very local approach. So they localized the content and the algorithm basically for specific markets. That's why you see usually when you're in the U.S., you see a lot of U.S.-based content um, because comedy in the U.S. might be funny there, but it might not be funny in the Netherlands, for example.
0: Right, right. So
1: that's kind of, for TikTok, every market is slightly different, and I think they're trying different things out in different markets as well. Like India is a huge market, um, or Japan as well, or Indonesia for TikTok. So they, they develop their way quicker, so they really look at the type of audience they have on TikTok. And on, in China, it's kind of their playground. So what you see a lot is they do things in China. If they see it works and people want it, they kind of experiment that in different markets. So let's say they do that now with the social commerce, the, the, the links for e-commerce, for example. Um, but like all different types of futures, they're trying now on, on TikTok as well. So I would say China is really the comfort zone for buy um, where they try out with Douyin a lot new things and new futures. And then slowly that rolls out to TikTok. So what I see from from an agency perspective even, and from a creator perspective, the win will always be ahead because that's a comfort market for the company. And then later on TikTok will come um, based on what the needs are in these local markets. So I would say these are the biggest difference, just the way how people operate um, on the app. So the app is somehow similar in the look and feel, but the way how people use the app is just totally different um, and people look differently at it. We're in... TikTok in the U.S. is just young kids dancing yeah. in front of the camera. Or on Douyin, you see like aunties of 60 years old yeah. doing a tour in Europe and selling tours, you know, like these kind yeah. of things. So you, the, the content is just different and the apps somehow work similar. So I would say these are the biggest differences. And Douyin is just very much more innovative because the adaption rate in China is way higher. So people are way more comfortable to try new things. Where in markets, as I think, you know, Northern America or even Europe, it's a bit slower. So that's why you see a lot of young kids because young kids try new things quicker than older people do. But in China, you don't have that problem that quick because everybody's comfortable with using a phone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and even in Andreessen Horowitz articles, they say that technology these days is like Asia, U.S. teens, U.S. adults, and then businesses, right? It progresses like that in terms of adoption. Yeah. Back to, you said that China is a great test market for a lot of product pushes that ByteDance is doing on TikTok and Douyin. Do you think that is a good strategy since the audience, although they adopt faster, the culture is still so, so different <clears throat> that when they push it out, they must have to do a lot more localization. Like, How have you seen the algorithm change like could you give an example on how two different markets are extremely different
1: yeah so so i think what so bydance itself runs so many different experiments like because it's an ai company so they keep experimenting things so what might work on doin today does might not work tomorrow again like people have something today and then tomorrow it's just gone and everybody's wondering where is it um, and that has been actually with some of major futures on on Darwin itself even like they they used to have stories on Yin, and then it was gone and then it came back again uh, some people had it some people didn't had it so what they basically do is they run a lot of different experiments to see what works um, and of course it's really localized to the Chinese consumer like what they what they want to see and what how they experience the app um, I think they, they have some difficulties with expanding this abroad that's why you see some of their comfort markets outside of China are actually South Korea and Japan because they're very close to China very similar. Um, and yeah, and they're pretty similar in, in the way how they operate and, um, and also the adoption rate of people actually using, for example, TikTok itself. So you see um, these markets have more priority for TikTok to try new things. And then actually after that, you see the bigger markets where huge number of users, where they really localize. So they prioritize that, which is like India and Indonesia where India has that also like more than 500 million users on TikTok, right? And if you then look at, then actually kind of at the bottom, you have like Europe and the US, which is really late <laughs> with things um, where they try new everything.
0: things.
1: Yes. And it's also partly because what you see a lot in Europe is the, definitely Americans, they love PR, like things around. So the moment someone does someone, it's like everywhere in the news. We're in China, what we, we, what we had a lot, like we tried to cover a lot what, New was on Dojin, and we couldn't even keep up with it, if that basically was the only thing we did. Um, but so here, you when there's keep something, up with
0: what on Dojin?
1: With all the new futures Dojin had, features. like okay, almost every day there was something oh, new, and it was like there's something there's major.
0: Future, people make a big Correct. deal out of it, right? Okay, got it.
1: Correct. So, but in China, nobody cares, kind of. Nobody's talking about it, um, and that's I think the biggest difference where they have to be very careful on. TikTok in let's say Western markets because everything what TikTok does is like um, everybody sees it in in that way and everybody will talk about it and I think that's why they're a bit more careful Um, they have been trying like link in bio for some time um, which is now in certain markets is already available so in the Netherlands they have it here for example Um, but what you see now is what we leaked in November was the social commerce that they were testing that so the links to e-commerce stores um, and they've been testing that a little bit in the U.S. now and in Japan, for example. And I know they will be testing it in other markets as well very soon. So this is, but this is something which is a very big step in, in social media, definitely in the Western market, where you see the Asian market is different. Um, because I think the biggest difference, how I see it at least when I also talk with companies, is you have the Asian market where people actually um, prioritize convenience over, um, over privacy in, in that way where in the West people prioritize privacy over convenience um, because that's in the West how people kind of grow up like all about the privacy Uh, but in these emerging markets like India or Indonesia or Vietnam they grow up like that so they know better Um, and I think that's a big difference in the way of launching new futures across different platforms like if you do social commerce and you're sharing data with all the other e-commerce stores behind it, where you're doing things with, this is like a big thing in the, in the West, where in people in Asia is like, oh, that's convenient. Um, so I think that's that's one of the futures there. I know they're testing um, in different markets also in the West, but this is something they have to be kind of careful with and also the way how people use, uh, consume social media. So in China, it's very much focused on commerce, where in the West is way more on entertainment. If you watch a YouTube video, it's more for entertainment because you have nothing to do in the evening. But if you're watching China live stream, is because you want to buy something and you yeah. just want to hear more about the product so that's kind of the difference and i think that's how they try to explore how to localize it so but the bigger markets with bigger users are getting of course more priority like india and nobody's hearing something about india also what tiktok does even though they're huge there um, so this is very convenient because they can experiment a lot so i think that's why they have to yeah again watch out a little bit in in the west and that's why you don't hear much or See new things a lot because they really have to be careful with all the regulations they have in the West.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. As an example, people are streaming like the number one. I think his name's like Lipstick Bro, whatever. On Taobao, literally goes streaming five hours a night at night from like ten p.m. into the early hours in the morning, and people are watching there. And he sells like fifteen thousand dollars worth of lipsticks in a minute, or something like that. Or Kim Kardashian even went on right and. Amazon has pushed live stream last February and we haven't heard really anything come out of that and it's not really working. So um, my next question is, have you worked with a specific client using your agency that wanted to launch in a Western market as well as an Asian market? And how did you strategize differently for them to approach different markets?
1: Yeah. So Actually, we haven't done it um, because we always have been focusing on the Chinese market. So that's really our expertise. We always have been trying to do Douyin, just Douyin um, to really kind of also niche um, on on just that platform. Uh, We have been doing some things in Southeast Asia, which are also totally different again than China. Uh, But now we're coming in a situation that we're talking with companies who say like, hey, can you do Asia and Europe for me? Or we want TikTok, but can you do at the same time Douyin because we also do something in China. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, Actually, uh that's what we're really looking at now as well, is like, do we want that or do we want to separate it? Because it's actually two strategies. It's not that you can do the same thing on Doin as well as on, on TikTok. Uh, but that's kind of where we've been as a company as well. Like, h- how do we solve that <laughs> that issue? Because it's the same app and people think it's the same app, but the way how you approach it is much different. Um, so that's why we've been kind of careful with running things outside of China. Um, But now we're actually managing a bunch of creators in the Netherlands and actually starting to do things as well in the Netherlands. Um, But we really try to separate it as a company. We just do the Netherlands. Um, We, for example, made a decision to not do anything um, with the US um, because a lot is happening there already. We're unfamiliar with the market. We don't know the creators there. Um, So that's not our comfort zone. So we're really looking at the, the markets we understand And that's partly we understand it because we work very close with the creators who understand the markets very well. So we leverage a lot on creators. So the creators are kind of our strategists in in that sense. Um, So we really look at what do they do? How do they work? uh, What does work? What doesn't work? And then we would activate on that. Um, But yeah, for really client campaigns, actually only China we've been focusing on. And now slowly we're going to do some European markets um, and maybe some Southeast Asian markets as well. Um, Yeah.
0: I see. Okay, so let's just take China as an example. So let's say that, like what kind of client companies do you take on? What are they trying to sell? Yeah,
1: so these are also different um, in the way if you do something in China. Um, We've been working with different sizes of companies. Actually, what we have been starting out with because Doin was very new. So if you started working with uh, MNC companies, they're like, I'm not ready for Doin yet, but can you do the research because we're somehow interested in it. So we've done these things. um, and also partly because Douyin want to keep a lot of control over the campaigns they do. And you see that also in the US, everything is going through TikTok. Um, like you almost don't see agencies really taking on big companies doing TikTok campaigns. It all goes directly through TikTok. So this problem or problem for an agency you had in, in, in China as well. Um, so we've been working a lot with SME companies who are new in Chinese markets and because we know how to use DoIn. We can get a lot of awareness, engagement and reach um, for a starting company in that market to at the same time do a lot of market research, but at the same time also drive social commerce. So directly the first sales, for example. Um, So we've been working with companies in different industries uh, from different countries. So we've been working for um, actually mainly European and Australian companies. And then sometimes someone from Canada or the US or Hong Kong or something like that. Sometimes Chinese companies even. So yeah, it really depends what the client also wants to achieve, um, which is not always sales. Sometimes it is sales. So really smaller companies, they always want sales first. So that's how we strategize and with what type of creators we work with, because not every creator is able to sell. And that's where we really look at like the quality of the creator. And that's where we also step in as a company. We, we train creators. So we kind of have the academy where we train creators, how to be a better creator for their specific niche. Um, to or just sell or just raise awareness or whatsoever a a brand would need. So yeah, different industries, um, but the most successful industries, I would say on on Douyin, which are also on TikTok, I would say is fashion, beauty. Um, Then you have F&B, so food and beverages uh, and education. I would say these are really the top industries, but it kind of depends on the market you're in. So the Netherlands, maybe beauty is a higher priority than it will be in the US. So it kind of, yeah, it's different, but for China, I would say these are the, the top industries and categories for Douyin.
0: Okay. And say that like a beauty company comes to you, what's your work process like? Like what are the steps that you would have to go through to form and then design and execute on a strategy?
1: Yeah, so usually they come to us and they only know about Doin. So it's like, okay, we want to do something with <laughs> and then Yeah, help us. Um, and then we always look at, okay, what, what are you currently doing in China already? And I think soon that will be for TikTok also starting to be relevant. Um, but it's like, OK, what do you do in that market? So let's say in China. Um, and what uh, what are your experiences and where are you already active? Like, is, that, is it nowhere? Is it on, only Taobao or is it Mao already or, or whatsoever? So we really look at, OK, where are you currently active? And then we kind of look honestly in, in a way like, okay, if you don't have any e-commerce store, it's really tough for us to sell them though, in because you know, where can you buy the products, mm-hmm. right? So then we will run a different campaign if the client wants that, or we help them partly with opening a Taobao store or to our partner for a Tmall store. So then these things has to, have to be done first. Um, to, so basically that they have to get everything ready. And then from there, we will say, okay, how can we run the campaign? So it could be, Yeah, different type of campaigns really much around awareness or market research because a lot of people can comment or um, have an opinion about it or we work with very specific creators. Depends what the beauty company really wants. So we're really looking at case by case, but what we see the biggest problem is they don't have kind of their touch points, the sales touch points, right? So they don't have an e-commerce store or they're not active somewhere else. And I think for China, that's really important to understand what does Douyin do. So Douyin is mainly for awareness and buying very cheap products. So if, you're, if you have a beauty product and a lipstick costs $30, US dollars, it's not going to work. But if it costs $2, US dollars, it's going to work very well. So then if it's $30, which is most of the case with foreign companies and not $2 because that's what the Chinese products are in China. So then usually how it works is you use Douyin for the awareness itself. We will run that with a beauty um, company, for example, raise as much awareness as possible. Then usually the flow, how it works, you're on Douyin, then you go to Hong Hongshu where you read the Mm, reviews about that product, and then you go to Tmall or Taobao to actually purchase the product. And that's actually the steps, how it works. And that is how Chinese consumers are switching within seconds between these apps to actually purchase a product, which is sometimes strange because you can directly buy it in Douyin as well, but they won't do that. And that's kind of how the process works. So then we look at a client like, can we help you as well on Xiaohongshu and on your e-commerce store, but use the Douyin creator to create content as well for your Xiaohongshu and your e-commerce store, mm-hmm. so that the creator is part of the funnel. So we really look at kind of these cases like how can the, it's kind of complicated. It's That's not just so like how oh, we do a campaign on Douyin.
0: The influencer is actually the one that ties all of them together. That is really interesting Correct. to me, and I'm also surprised that people don't purchase directly on Xiaohongshu. Hmm, I'm gonna have to. Really think about that
1: one. (laughs) So that's basically how we also approach it. So that's, I think we're kind of an an honest company in that, that we really say like, okay, if you don't have your e-commerce store ready and you want to sell, then just don't work with us because I cannot guarantee you sales. (laughs) Because if if you don't have an e-commerce store. And that's also the same like, yeah. yeah, And this is the same um, with like the, the process. You have to understand how consumers work and that's how beauty consumers work. Fashion consumers might work different than they go to another app. So this is why you have to understand China, but also understand the processes of your consumers and where are they. And that's why we leverage a lot with creators. So our creators are the content marketeers and ambassadors. So we always use creators in um, or they're an ambassador for the brand. So they create content for the brand account or you run the promotion. So that's actually how we yeah, kind of work is we have the creator. So we find the right creator for you. Um, Then we created different formats. So the creators creating different formats. And that's why we work with DOIN creators, because DOIN creators are very diverse. You see the same with TikTok creators. They have way more skills, way more creativity, no offense to Instagrammers or YouTubers (laughs) or whatsoever, but than these channels. um, Because they're very good at storytelling. They can tell a story in 15 seconds, which is very tough usually for a brand. They, they usually cannot do that. So we're using the creator at first. We've, we match you with the right creator. Then we create different formats. That could be different images. That could be um, short form video. That could be long form video or long form in terms of a few minutes because it's already kind of long form uh, in China. And then we create different formats. And then we basically um, um, activate that on your different social media channels. So let's say on Douyin, then on Xiaohongshu, then on your WeChat Weibo. Um, Billy Billy whatsoever you use or your e-commerce store and then we can run KOL promotions so for example that KOL can promote that's like a different service how we do that so that's really how we structure it that you have the KOL at least or the creator involved in the whole process as kind of as part of the strategy and then you can boost that with other creators or even with the same creator. So that's how we make use of creators, because then it's better for a creator because you work for a long term with them. But at the same time, he, this creator has more opportunities to be activated mm-hmm. on, on different platforms. So that's kind of how we, how we work. So it's a bit more, I would say strategic already, how we try to sell ourselves. So this is sometimes is a bit complicated for companies who don't do anything with China. But this is also what soon will probably be coming to TikTok. That p- companies really have to start thinking like that. Um, that it's not just a campaign on TikTok, but that you have to think further because what you see in China, which is coming to TikTok as well, is the creators are the new brands. So if a brand now tries to activate on TikTok, it's really tough um, because people don't wanna see branded content on TikTok. There's a reason why TikTok didn't open the whole ad platform to everybody yet or why they don't run a lot of campaigns. The only campaigns usually they're running right now is with the World Health Organization or something like that around the coronavirus. (laughs) But these type of campaigns, because they don't want too much branded content. Um, So what's really important for TikTok and as well as Douyin is that you sell the story and the product can be part of that story, but you don't sell the product. And I think that's something which is very common in China already, that you actually never hard sell the product. That's why paid advertisements don't work well in China. Definitely if you're in beauty or fashion or something like that, but you sell a story or you sell a person who is actually selling the product. Um, and that's kind of how it goes more to TikTok as well, and that's why we focus a lot on the creators because we know they are the most important asset on TikTok soon. So no matter what the brand wants, probably the creator can do it. But then it, for creators, it's more interesting because they can start their own brands. So why would they work with other brands? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where it soon will go in TikTok as well. Um, so really, much focus on the creator itself. You almost, I've been working with a few years for do, on doyen and TikTok right now, and I. Cannot name ten good brands really successful on the platform which are not ran by a creator by an individual. I still cannot name them. So everyone, every company who's trying now is like, okay, good so, luck, but probably. So, do you, you regret
0: running an agency and not becoming a creator yourself? I guess our girlfriend's <laughs> a creator. <laughs> that works. i yes, I've, I've, a been, product I've been thinking together.
1: about it. <laughs> I've been thinking about it a little bit as well. Like, sh- should I do it? Um, But I I prefer to be a bit more in the background and really share my experiences and help the creators. So we manage different creators in China, but also manage now in Europe as well. And we're getting applications from everywhere to really train creators to become better creators and look at their own potentials. Because now usually how influencer marketing works is brands go to the influencers like, hey, we want to do a promotion. We pay you a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars or tens of thousands of dollars. doesn't matter, but the, the concept stays the same. And this is not what's going to work on TikTok tiktok is really you have to use the creator to tell your story so you use that creator on your own channel or you run a promotion but then it's still part of a certain story the creator tells Um, and that's really where it's heading with tiktok soon as well so it's different and that's why i see a lot of marketing agencies or advertising agencies trying to do things with tiktok they actually do the same stuff they have been doing on youtube and instagram or on tv it's the same stuff just reformatted for for tiktok But actually, that's not how TikTok works. (laughs) It's really based on the user itself. And that's where a lot of marketing agencies are making a huge mistake with TikTok. But now they won't figure it out because the content is very random. But soon they will be very fast irrelevant. Um, And they really have to start changing their strategy because that's what we have been seeing in, in China already. And that's coming to TikTok.
0: Right. No, I absolutely love that when you said that creators are the new brands and the fact that you really have to think about the mindset of the consumer as they use different apps so that you can map out the entire customer journey, which is so different now. Like when we talk about customer journey and marketing, it's no longer just on a single platform, especially not on your own website like most people in e-commerce in the u.s still purchase mostly through shopify websites and you run one ad on facebook and then that's the entire customer journey right it's completely different in china okay awesome um i do have one question coming from my little sister who is 15 and you know what she's gonna ask (laughs) she's like how do i start a career on tiktok
1: Oh, that's really interesting. That's really cool because we actually manage creators in the Netherlands as well, and some of them are 15. Yeah. Um, so I think what's what's really interesting because because you can, and we have been seeing it in China, and we work with creators in China who indeed can sell 10,000 lipsticks with a video or something like that. So I think what's what's really important for TikTok, and I think that's in general, not just for your sister, but for everyone yeah. starting on TikTok, um, you you have to choose a category for yourself. So what you see now is a lot of people are leveraging on trends which is good for initial growth, but the algorithm start recognizing you the moment you're active in a category. And that could be, for example, just beauty and then just do beauty related content, nothing else. Of course, you can combine it with some comedy or something like that. But the moment you still let, if you do trends, get the beauty part inside a popular trend. So the category is the most important because that's what TikTok wants, that's what the algorithm wants and that's actually what people want to see. So I would say um, every creator is, Um, should be very unique and creative. So what you see now, a lot of people are copying dances and stuff like that. That doesn't really work um, because TikTok wants that you're you're unique and creative and positive. That's really what they try to show and that's really how the algorithm works as well. If you you delete a post and you repost it later, the algorithm will recognize you will almost never get a good result of that as well. So it's really be unique and every piece of content has to be unique and in that category. So kind of... um, Every person is kind of their little niche in that way. Yeah, so everybody is kind of special, and that's what you have to show. And that's, I think, actually similar in the approach that you have to do if you do something on LinkedIn or Instagram. You have to be very much yourself and authentic. Um, and that's the same on, on TikTok. Um, but in TikTok, it's a bit more important when you wanna grow. So, usually, how it actually works is you can start, you can create an account, usually, your first three or five posts, one of them at least gets pretty high views compared with the rest. This is because the algorithm is testing you out in which category are you. Where are you active in? What do you, your users want to see? Um, who are currently watching that video. Um, so I would say the category is the most important. So if you just want to start, say, okay, just choose a category, leverage on some trends, but in that specific category and start creating content there. And then at the same time, interact with people in that similar category. So what's also very important, and I think that's why you see the hype house is very big on TikTok is because they do things together. And that's also yeah, important. I so try to that. collaborate with others. Yeah, so that's, for example, you have the duet, which is a thing like already pushing people to do things together. Um, So that really works. Um, We just started an account with our creators we have in the Netherlands. Um, And okay, the Netherlands is small, but like we posted now two videos and in total we have more than 30,000 views. Um, More than 30,000 views and I think over 5,000 likes or something like that. Um, And 1,500 followers. Like without doing something specific, but really being in that the one thing we wanna showcase. And I think that really works. It's just like category, choose what you like and love to do. Take your own passions in that because then it's easier to create a content. And then um, the way how you structure the content. So tell a story, don't just dance. Um, certain people are very popular with that still. Um, but if you're, if you're just one time popular, you can stay now popular, maybe not for the long term, but really tell your story. So just have something to start with Um, like the first two seconds you have to attract someone so that you want to see the content because usually you swipe through this uh, like this through the app so the first two seconds you have to think like oh I want to see this I want to know what happens right and then there's like kind of kind of the the middle part which is you're explaining the story and then at the end something happens what you know don't expect that's why some of these accounts like funny home videos kind of stuff work because you know something's gonna happen but you still want to watch it till the end so I would say take that as an example in the way how you structure your content and then in your specific category and then you can do actually very well Um, so I would say yeah that's I think most of the tips I can give. Um. Do you
0: have to be, <laughs> let's say, funny? Like a lot of the influencers, let's say Instagram influencers or even LinkedIn influencers, more mm-hmm. on the career side, travel. Travel, I can see maybe telling a story being quite popular. Travel is popular everywhere. But something like more serious, like let's say real estate, right? How are real estate people doing on Link- uh, not LinkedIn? How are real estate people doing on TikTok or careers, right? They haven't expanded into those categories, I think within the platform yeah so what,
1: so you have it in china already like the real estate company is doing actually pretty well but actually every type of company you can imagine is yeah i'm sure there's doing someone doing well. really well so so what what you see actually with real estate and i think that's coming more to tiktok right now like now it's very the meme content um and stuff like that but what you see now in china which is also popular is like micro vlogging so it's kind of the vlogs you have on youtube but like in a one minute or two minutes and in china because you can post longer there um but like or sometimes even in 30 seconds, but it's called like micro vlogging. So really get to the point because definitely Gen Z right now is, I don't want to kind of see your five minute B-rolls. I just want that you get to the point and tell me what you want to tell. I don't have to watch 10 minutes. 10 minutes is very valuable. Like I can watch, I don't know how many videos of TikTok. I can watch like 50 or hundred TikTok videos in 10 minutes. So why would I watch 10 minutes to your videos? So that's what, for example, in real estate, you see that type of content, actually more like micro, micro vlogs showing around the property and um they're kind of how some real estate youtubers in the u.s are already doing that actually in, in that style they do that. So really showing around the property, talking about the property and stuff like that. And that's actually what people find very interesting. But then very often edited in a way how TikTok or Douyin is. So if you see a Douyin video, you directly know ah oh, this is a Douyin video. It has some kind of uniqueness. And I cannot really explain it. You have to use the app for a while that you understand like, ah oh, this is how people edit their videos. Mm. Um, but like for real estate, micro vlogging, for example, or uh, reviewing, something like that. Um, so reviews of, certain apartments or something like that where just someone is walking around that, that like works already. Um or even certain hacks, um, like small hacks, what you can do in your whole house or something like that. So sometimes it's not yeah. directly the topic, but something related to it. Um so yeah, something you can do in your house. And that will might help the the real estate company as well. So that's kind of how it works with the more serious industries. But what they usually have is one individual doing the content um, instead of different right. people trying following to do it. Yeah.
0: one person like one brand okay awesome yeah. okay well that was actually my last question but i do okay. have like a one quick fire round that i want to ask everyone this question at the end it's just starting actually with you and it's about what opportunities do you see in the next five years in the industry that you're working in that you think that more people should take advantage of
1: yeah so it's and that's in social media, I would say, uh, to say in that industry, how we, ch- how we see it changing yep. is that way more is going to drive around individuals. Um, so basically the creators become the new brands. So brands have to really innovate to or build their own KOLs in that way or KOCs or work with the ambassadors right now, like with creators and use them as ambassadors for your brand. So everything is going to drive around creators and creators are going to sell the products you want later. To purchase, so social media and commerce is kind of going slowly together. I don't know how fast it will be in five years in the U.S. or in Europe, but it's it's coming together so that we don't just shop on Amazon, but Amazon will be more social in that way, like how a Tmall is, for example. Um, So these two will come together, and the ones who are really driving it are the creators, the individuals, not so much the brands anymore. So I think that's how it's will be changing, and that's why we are already doing what we're doing now just focusing on the creators mm-hmm. and get as much as possible out of them. Instead of we would focus a lot on the brand side.
0: Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> this has been so fun. I yes. learned so much about marketing. <laughs>